morning. Today we get to take the opportunity and the chance to look at what is arguably the single greatest event in the Bible, the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ is the, the event that all Christianity stands on. It's the foundation that we base and we build our faith upon. Without the resurrection of Christ, there simply would not be Christianity. And so with that in mind, today we're going to see that Christ's resurrection is so important. It's incredibly important. But before we dive into that, would you guys bow in prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, just for the opportunity that we have to, to come together, Father, to, to worship you, to praise you, and, and thank you for sending your Son to die for us, Father. The love and the grace that you show us is overwhelming, Father. It's unimaginable. And I pray, Father, that today we would just understand how incredibly important Christ's resurrection is. Amen. If you haven't done so already, I would invite you to take your Bibles and open them up to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And as you're turning there, I need to make mention of the fact that quite a bit of the material that I'll be sharing with you today is kind of inspired by two men, Norman Geisler and Josh McDowell. Both men are great Christian apologetics teachers, and they have written several things that have really helped me to understand just how important Christ's resurrection actually is. As you're turning to 1 Corinthians 15, let me just give you some context as to what has been happening in this chapter before we jump in. You see, Paul starts out in 1 Corinthians 15 by explaining to the believers who are living in Corinth exactly what the gospel is, that Christ, to pay the price for our sin, came and lived on this earth, that He died on the cross for us to make a way for us to gain everlasting life if we place our faith and trust in Him. And then Paul goes on and he explains that Christ didn't stay dead, that He rose from the grave, that He triumphed over it. And he goes on and he gives several witnesses who saw the risen Savior. And he includes himself in that list as someone who has seen Christ Himself. Paul, where we jump in now, kind of switches gears a little bit and he addresses those who are living in Corinth who are skeptical that a resurrection could take place. People who didn't believe that people could rise from the dead. If you look in verse 12, we'll see exactly what Paul says to these skeptical individuals. He says this, Now if Christ has preached among you that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. So Paul speaks directly to these skeptical individuals. And he explains to them that if Christ did not rise from the dead, then everything that he had preached and taught them was worthless. It was empty. And not only that, but their faith that they had in Christ was also worthless and empty. Paul then kind of elaborates on this point in the next few verses. And he explains to these skeptical Corinthians really why Christ's resurrection is so incredibly important. And he gives them three reasons why. And the first thing that he says that proves Christ's resurrection is so important is because if it did not occur, then everything is a lie. Everything is a lie. If you look at verse 15 with me, it says this. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. So Paul begins 
by explaining that the resurrection is incredibly important because if it didn't happen, then the apostles, the ones who gave us most of this, the New Testament that you're holding and looking at, they would be liars because the apostles had testified that they had seen the risen Christ. Paul's argument is is that if the apostles could not be trusted to be true or correct in this one area, then how could we trust them to be true or correct in any other area? And really, when you stop and think about what Paul is saying, you have to realize that not only would the apostles be liars, but Christ himself would be as well. In Matthew 17, verses 22 through 23, it says this, Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And on the third day he will be raised up. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus himself teaches that he will be crucified, that he will be killed, and that he will rise again. However, if the resurrection did not occur, then Christ would be a liar. Biblically, he would be guilty of sin, and that has huge implications for our faith. You see, if Christ had lied to us, if he had sinned, then that means that he could have never satisfied the holy demands of God the Father. He could have never paid our sin debt on the cross. He could never have made a way for us to be saved. A skilled Parisian weaver some years ago figured out how to skillfully manufacture what were supposedly antique tapestries. He did it so well that he fooled even experts who would come and authenticate things. He was finally discovered when one of his assistants gave him up. These tapestries that he had manufactured had sold for a small fortune, but the moment it was discovered that they were not true, they were not authentic, they became worthless. And so it is with our faith. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then everything that the apostles said was a lie, and everything that Christ himself said would be unauthentic. Paul goes on and he gives them a second reason why Christ's resurrection is so important for us. And he explains that if Christ did not rise from the dead, then our faith is useless. Our faith is useless. Verses 16 and 17 in 1 Corinthians 15 say this, For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So Paul again tells these Corinthians the importance of Christ's resurrection by telling them that if Christ has not risen from the dead, then their faith in Him is worthless. And that is true because of four realities. The first reality of why Christ's resurrection is critical for our faith is because someone who is dead cannot save anyone. Forgiveness and eternal life can only be guaranteed by someone who is alive. The second reality of why this is so critical for our faith is because someone who has not conquered death cannot help us to overcome it. In John fourteen nineteen, we find this statement by Christ. He says this, A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. The third reality of why this is so critical is because if Christ did not rise from the dead, then Satan won the battle. Christ's body would still be in the ground, allowing death to have the victory over him. In Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 15, we find this statement. It says this, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, meaning Christ, 
likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Christ came to this earth to give us victory over sin, to give us victory over death. But if he did not rise from the dead, then he himself did not conquer death. The last reality of why this is all so critical for our faith is simply this. It's that our faith is only as good as the person in whom we believe. If we believe Christ has the... Uh, if we place our faith in Christ to save us from our sins, but Christ Himself does not possess that power, then our faith in Him is worthless. It's like if we put faith in a chair to write a novel or a movie plot, but the chair hat in and of itself has no ability to write that, then our faith in the chair is worthless. It's unprofitable. The resurrection of Christ is critical for our faith. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then our faith in Him is useless. It's worthless. But because He did rise from the dead, we know that we have a real God and a real faith. In Romans 1, verses 3 and 4, it says this, Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God, with power according to the Spirit of holiness. And now here's the proof that proves this. By the resurrection from the dead. Christ's resurrection is the proof that He is the Son of God, that what He said was true, and that He can give us everlasting life. Final, excuse me, Paul kind of wraps this up by giving these skeptical people in Corinth one final thought to consider. His final reason why Christ's resurrection is so important is because if it did not happen, then we have no hope. We have no hope. Look at verses 18 and 19 with me. They say this. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who have perished. In this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men the most pitiable. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then our faith in Him is wasted. Because if He cannot save Himself, how then could He save us? Our faith in Christ would be useless. And those who had died with their faith and trust in Christ to save them simply have just perished. That word perished in this verse means to be that means that those who have died have been lost, that they are ruined. They have no hope of ever spending an eternity in heaven with God. And not only that, but Paul in verse 19 explains that if we here on this earth have our hope only in Christ, if He didn't rise from the dead, then we are of all men to be pitied or to be miserable. We're to be miserable because we have no hope. No assurance of anything, no purpose in life, no guarantee of salvation. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we have no hope of spending an eternity with Him in heaven because He'd be dead and He wouldn't be there anyway. Christ's resurrection is critical to everything we believe. If the resurrection did not occur, then our faith is dead and it's a lie. If it could be proved that the resurrection did not occur, then we would be forced to abandon our faith. So now what we need to do is prove that it happened. Let's just take a moment here today and consider some facts and evidences of how we can know that Christ actually rose from the dead, that we don't have a dead faith. 
To do that, let's just look at some facts and evidences because facts and evidences are what we use to determine what is truth. Things have to line up to these facts and evidences. And really the first fact that we need to establish is that Jesus was a real person. That's where we have to start. That he came, that he lived, and that he died. And today, actually, that's actually pretty easy to do. Historians today have so much evidence for Jesus Christ that there is no doubt that he was a real person, that he lived, and that he died. Today, we have several accounts by secular historians who record the existence of a man named Jesus Christ. And just the fact that non-Christian, non-Jewish historians record the existence of a man named Jesus offers great credibility and proof to the fact that he was real and that he existed. Such secular historians include, if you're curious, Cornelius Tactus, Lucian of Samosata, Sutenius, Pliny the Younger, Thallius, Phlegian, and Marabara, Serapion. Don't ask me to say those again. Christ, the point is this, Christ is a legitimate historical figure. He really did come to this earth and he really did die as documented by many people. So now that we know that Christ was real, the next thing that we need to consider as we're considering the events that happened around the resurrection is the seal that was placed on the stone at the grave. In Matthew 27, verses 60, or 62 through 66, it says this, On the next day which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, so that the last deception will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, You have your guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. So in this passage, the Jewish leaders who have plotted to crucify Christ, they begin to remember after his crucifixion, wait a minute, this guy said some crazy things while he was alive, and one of the things that he said was that he was going to rise again after three days. So they become afraid that someone's going to steal the body to maybe provide credibility to the fact that maybe he actually was God. So they go to Pilate and they say to Pilate, Pilate, you've got to do something so that nobody can get close to this tomb. You've got to set it a guard. You've got to do something. So Pilate says, do whatever you need to do to make yourself feel secure. So they go and they seal the stone and they put guards there. And that seal that they placed on the stone is, is very important. That seal represented the power and the authority of the Roman Empire. The consequences for breaking that seal was when you were caught and you were caught, you would be immediately executed by being crucified upside down. People feared breaking that seal. And if anyone maybe had a motive to steal the body of Christ, it would have been the disciples. But biblically, we know that the, we know that the disciples were not really a group of guys who were feeling very courageous around this time. In the garden at Gethsemane, we know that all of Jesus' followers abandoned him. They left him alone. The Bible tells us that most of the disciples were kind of hiding out because they were afraid of the Jews. But let's just suppose that they got some random act of courage and they decided to go steal the body of Christ. Why then would they give their lives for something that they knew was a lie? These guys dedicated their entire lives to sharing the gospel of Christ with everyone that they encountered. They went everywhere to proclaim the good news of the gospel. 
And to do that meant that they underwent some severe persecution and affliction. They were tortured. They, in fact, history tells us that all of the apostles, minus John, were killed for their faith. Why would they give their lives for something that they knew was a lie? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't add up. The next fact that we need to consider are the guards themselves who were placed at the tomb. These Roman guards were held to extreme standards. Extreme. The Justinian Code kind of gives us a, an example of what would happen if a Roman soldier feel, failed to perform his duty. They would be immediately killed. And one of the ways that they would be killed is they would be stripped of their garments and then set on fire by the fire started by their own garments. Roman discipline was exceptional. And Roman soldiers feared their superior's wrath and they feared death. Nobody could have snuck past them to get to Christ's tomb. They certainly wouldn't have left their post or fallen asleep on the job. The next fact is just the stone that was placed at the entrance of the tomb. You see, in Jesus' day, tombs were kind of carved out of the side of cliffs. And what they would do is they would carve these, these tombs as they would also carve these huge boulders on a ramp. And when the time was right, they would remove a wedge and this huge boulder would roll down, sealing the entrance to the tomb. They needed the ramp for the, for the boulders because they were enormous. They weighed somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 pounds. So if someone were going to steal the body of Christ, they would somehow have to figure out a way to move that without alerting the guards. The next fact is just the empty grave clothes. Let me just kind of maybe help you understand a little bit of what the custom was when someone would die. I think we're all very familiar with the imagery that is a mummy, and that's very similar to what they would have done in Jesus' day. They would have taken the body, and they would have wrapped it several times very, very tightly. And they also would have put spices in there, too, to help with the smell as the body would decompose and decay. And that's interesting because there are some people today who believe that Christ did not die on the cross, that he fainted, that he passed out. But even if that were the case, the way that they wrapped the body would have made it impossible for someone to breathe. He would have suffocated. Let alone the fact that while he was on the cross, a Roman soldier pierced his side just to make sure that he was in fact dead. The grave clothes are also interesting to me because it's highly unlikely that if somebody wanted to steal the body of Christ, that they would have taken the time to unwrap the body. It would have been an incredibly improbable set of circumstances. The next fact is that there is no written documentation disproving the resurrection of Christ. There is no first century evidence from anyone that speaks against the resurrection taking place. However, there are historians such as Tactius, Suetonius, and Josephus who provide a testimony that the events that happened in the Gospels actually took place. The last fact is just the many witnesses who saw Christ. He appeared to over 500 people at one time. Certainly 500 people couldn't all be mistaken about what they had seen. And and Jesus did just appear to those who were his followers, but he also appeared to men who were hostile towards him, who were persecuting his followers. Just look at Paul. Paul, then named Saul, was someone who was persecuting the church. He was uh, there at the stoning of Stephen, kind of applauding things. When Jesus Christ appeared to Saul, On the road to Damascus, it radically transformed his life. The point of all this is is simply this. 
Christ's resurrection is the only logical explanation for the empty tomb. The only way to account for everything that happened is that Christ rose from the dead. So today we've seen the importance of the resurrection. We've seen how critical it is for our faith. So now I get to answer the question that hopefully you've been asking is, how does this matter to us today? And firstly, this matters to us today because it means that we can spend an eternity in heaven with Christ. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ to save you, to give you everlasting life, don't put that off. You don't know what day is going to be your last. What we've talked about here today isn't a fairy tale. It's not a science fiction movie. It's reality. We're talking about your eternal future. Please take that seriously. Secondly, this matters to us today if you're a believer here because sometimes I think that we need to be reminded that God is not dead. And I know that we know that intellectually. I know that we have that knowledge that we know God's not dead. But I think it's so easy for us, for myself, to go through life treating God like He's dead. Hardly giving Him a second thought. Rarely taking the opportunity to know Him through His Word. I think as Christians, maybe we need to start waking up a little bit. Start realizing that Christ is a real person and treating Him like one. In closing today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is incredibly important. It's the most it's one of excuse me, it's one of the most provable facts of all of history. Today followers of the Islamic religion can go and visit the tomb of their leader Muhammad. Buddhists can visit the tomb of their founder Buddha. You can visit the graves of past presidents and historical figures, but you cannot visit the grave of the greatest man who ever lived. Because he rose from the dead, and because he did, we know that he was God and that what he said was truth. And because of His resurrection, we can spend an eternity with Him. May we never forget just how important His resurrection actually is. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for today. Thank You that we don't have a blind faith, Father. Thank You that Christ triumphed over the grave, Father, that He had the victory, and now we can have the victory if we place our faith and trust in Him. Dear Father, I pray if there is some here who have not done that, that they would take that seriously and they would settle that issue. And Father, I pray for the believers here that because Christ is alive, that we would live differently because of it. Help us, Father, to not just declare, but display your glory and your truth. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Tyler. The evidence is extensive concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it's also, as Tyler shared at the end of his message, encouraging. I want us to uh, sing a song that has the same title as Tyler's message. It's written by Bill and Gloria Gaither a long, long time ago. But it's a message of power and a message of truth from God's Word. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. Would you stand and sing it with me as we close this morning? Because He lives.
God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future. And life is worth a living just because He lives. And then one day I'll cross that river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. And then as day gives way to victory. I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know He reigns because He lives. I can face tomorrow because He lives. All fear I know He holds the future and life is worth a living just because He lives and life is worth a living just because He lives all God's people said, Amen. Amen. He is risen. He is. He's risen indeed. Hope you have a wonderful week. We'll look forward to seeing you next Sunday on the church's 12th anniversary. God bless you.